Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Jesus' Temptation in the Wilderness. What can it teach us? Before Jesus began his ministry, he was tempted by Satan for 40 days in the wilderness. What lessons can we learn from this monumental spiritual battle? In our previous episode, we explored the backstory and importance of Jesus' wilderness temptation. But the temptation in the wilderness is not just significant because of the outcome, but also for the lessons that it holds. Jesus' example is a powerful case study in how we can overcome and triumph over the temptations we face today. And we have many temptations that we face in this world. But first, let's consider the tempter. First, we must recognize that Satan's efforts to tempt did not cease after that 40-day confrontation. He is still tempting today. One of the Bible's descriptors of Satan is the tempter. We find that in Matthew 4, verse 3. Tempting is a part of his nature. It's what he does. In fact, it's who he is. Even now, the tempter is still active and he uses a wide range of methods to try to entice people today, especially Christians, to sin and turn away from God's way of life. The Apostle John identified three major human weaknesses that Satan often exploits in his efforts to tempt us to sin. They are found in 1 John 2 verse 16 and are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These three human propensities are almost always Satan's targets when he tries to tempt us. He even tried to use them against Jesus in the wilderness. The book of Hebrews records that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, Hebrews 4 verse 15. This doesn't mean that Jesus fought urges to commit every conceivable human sin. What it means is that he experienced temptation in all the major areas of human vulnerability. Because we face temptations daily in our lives, it's critical that we study how Jesus was able to emerge from these temptations in the wilderness without sin. So first, let's consider the spiritual power of fasting. In Luke's account, we read that Jesus fasted or ate nothing during those 40 days. You can find that in Luke 4, verse 2. But why did Jesus fast? What is the purpose for fasting in this context? Well, Jesus fasted for a very specific reason, to strengthen his relationship with the Father by humbling himself. Jesus understood that in order to withstand Satan's temptations, he needed to be as close to the Father as possible. Fasting is a powerful tool to help us loose the bonds of wickedness, according to Isaiah 58, verse 6. Now, Jesus had no bonds of wickedness to loosen, but he knew he would face intense temptation to do wickedness when he faced Satan in the wilderness. Jesus' weakened state, because of the fasting, added to the meaningfulness of the encounter and his victory. Instead of confronting the tempter at the pinnacle of his physical strength and resolve, he actually faced the tempter at his absolute weakest point, physically famished. Fasting helps us draw closer to God, and it is a vital key to resisting temptation.
Now let's look at the three specific temptations that Satan presented to Jesus Christ. The first temptation was to turn stones into bread. He specifically tailored this temptation to exploit Jesus' weak physical condition and his extreme hunger. We read in Matthew 4 verse 3, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Because hunger was Jesus' biggest vulnerability at this moment, Satan zeroed in on that and tried to tempt Jesus to use his power and authority to transform stones into food. Satan appealed to both the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh by trying to persuade Jesus to desire bread so much that he'd perform a miracle just to get it. Now, Jesus was given the ability to perform miracles. That's obvious throughout the New Testament, throughout the four Gospels, but he was committed to only using that power to serve his Father's purpose. Jesus' miracles were never done selfishly. They were all selfless, with the goal of benefiting others and glorifying his Father. But the question was, after Satan put the temptation out there, would Jesus obey Satan and create bread for himself? Well, Jesus answered in verse 4 of Matthew's account. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Instead of giving in or simply saying no, Jesus answered by pointing to a scripture on seeking God's will above everything else. Satan tried to divert Jesus' attention to the physical, but Jesus maintained his focus on the spiritual. Now let's move on to the second temptation to jump off a building and trust God. For Satan's next attempt, he transported Jesus somehow into Jerusalem and placed him at the highest point of the Jerusalem temple. Now, many believe this was the southeast corner of Herod's temple and that this would have been about 450 feet above the Kidron Valley, roughly the equivalent of a 41-story skyscraper. So as Jesus was put in this location and looked down at that steep drop, Satan said in verse 6 of Matthew 4, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Satan then quoted two scriptures concerning God's protection, found in Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12, goading Christ to jump and just trust God to save him. But the problem with Satan quoting these scriptures was that he was taking those verses completely out of context, completely distorting their meaning. Those verses do not advocate people jumping off of buildings in order to trust God to save them. Just as a side point, that highlights the reality that Satan knows the Bible and is skilled at twisting it. Now back to the misuse of that scripture. Jesus saw right through it immediately. He knew that Satan was pulling that scripture out of context and inserting a meaning that it never had, that wasn't there. And he answered by properly quoting a scripture, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, which says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. The scriptures Satan quoted were about trusting God to protect us when we are in dangerous situations outside of our control but they were not about intentionally putting ourselves in harm's way and then expecting God to protect us. That is tempting God. So the lesson is a Christian should trust God, but never tempt him.
God expects us to do all we can to live safely while trusting him to protect us from the dangers we can't control. So Jesus successfully resisted and denied the second temptation. Now let's move on to the third temptation. Summed up as, I'll give you everything if... After the first two temptations failed, Satan decided to pull out all the stops. He would tempt Jesus with more than just bread or God's protection. This time, he offered Jesus something else, something much bigger. Everything. Literally, everything. Everything physical, that is. We read that Satan took Jesus up to a massive mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This would have included the vast Roman Empire to the west, the sprawling Parthian Empire to the east, and even the Han Dynasty ruling throughout China and Central Asia at this time. Satan was literally offering to hand over all his earthly authority, his dominion over this earth, if Jesus would fall down and worship him. This final ploy was Satan's appeal to the pride of life, the desire for personal power and glory. And Satan could legitimately make this offer because the Bible shows he does currently have temporary dominion over this earth. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 and 1 John 5 verse 19. But just as a side point, since Satan is a liar at his core, one really has to wonder if he would have really followed through on this offer if Jesus had fallen down and worshipped him. Now back to the narrative. Now, it may have been tempting for Jesus to take that authority and immediately try to right the wrongs of the world as a physical man. In some ways, Satan's offer could have seemed like a shortcut to kingship that would have required no suffering or dying. However, if Jesus had accepted this offer and done what Satan asked, he would have broken the first and greatest commandment found in Exodus 20 verse 3. Now, the thing we have to remember is that Jesus is destined to rule the earth, but he was not to take rulership at that time in that way. And any change he could have made as a physical king would pale in comparison to the transformation he will oversee as king of the coming kingdom of God. So Jesus did reject the temptation. We read in verse 10, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. By rejecting Satan's ploy, Jesus unequivocally defeated his adversary. After offering Jesus the entire earth, Satan literally had nothing left to offer. He couldn't up the ante anymore. There was nothing higher to offer than that. We are simply told in verse 11 that the devil left him. He emerged from the temptation in the wilderness victorious. So now let's consider what we can learn today. I'd like to present three lessons Christians can learn from the temptation in the wilderness today. Because we know, again, the tempter is still busy, and he is still bombarding all of us with alluring temptations to sin. What can we learn from Jesus' example to help us resist those temptations? Number one. Grow closer to God by practicing the spiritual disciplines. The Bible shares four basic spiritual disciplines that help us grow and become stronger spiritually. Prayer, fasting, meditation, and Bible study. 
We are told Jesus fasted during this period for 40 days, but undoubtedly his fasting also was combined with prayer and meditation, meditation being focused thought on God's word. Though Jesus was physically at his weakest point because of the fasting, practicing the spiritual disciplines helped him to be at his spiritual peak. The closer we are to God, the stronger we will be when faced with temptation to sin. Sometimes we're at our spiritually strongest when we're physically weak, according to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Let's move on to the second point. Jesus had God's word in his heart and mind. Jesus answered every temptation with scripture. He was able to do that because he knew the scripture. He had read it, he had studied it, and he internalized it. He applied the principle of Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The more God's word is in our heart and minds, the more likely we will be able to draw on it when we need it. And the third lesson? Jesus rejected temptation quickly. The gospel accounts don't describe Jesus taking a lot of time to ponder Satan's offers. He didn't linger over his options or dwell on the sin's possible benefits. He didn't do a cost-benefits analysis of resisting temptation versus giving in to temptation. He refused to let those temptations linger in his mind. He answered immediately. One of the key words the Bible uses when talking about temptation is flee. In other words, run away, get away as fast as you can. A key to resisting temptation is not to let it simmer in your mind as an option. Once you identify sin for what it is, sin, flee from it. Sometimes that means physically, removing yourself from its presence, removing yourself from a tempting situation. And sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it means quickly cutting off the sin as a mental option. The wilderness temptation is one of the most important and instructive periods of Jesus' physical life. Since we all face temptations on a daily basis, we should study this confrontation so we can better resist sin and walk as he walked. Now, before we end this episode, I'd like to offer two thoughts on what we should not learn from the wilderness temptation. There are some specific wrong conclusions that can be drawn from this section of scripture that we have to be sure not to. Number one, though fasting is a major key to maintaining our spiritual health, we shouldn't attempt a 40-day fast. It would simply be dangerous for people today to attempt to fast this long, and many would do serious damage to their body or, frankly, die. Most fasts described in the Bible lasted 24 hours, and some lasted longer. If you decide to do a multi-day fast, you should deeply consider what your motivations are for doing so and possibly consult your physician before doing it. God wants us to be spiritually strong to serve him with all our strength and might, but we can't do that if we're completely famished and have no energy due to prolonged fasting. And number two, we should never verbally engage with the demonic realm. Though Jesus did answer Satan, his answers were short and directly from Scripture. He didn't try to reason with or converse with the devil. If you feel you are being bothered by evil spirits, you need to mentally flee from them and pray for deliverance and possibly seek counsel from a minister of Jesus Christ. 
never ever try to talk to or reason with a demon. The demonic realm is much more powerful and cunning than any of us can comprehend, so we should resist them by drawing close to God, who is much more powerful. For the Discern Podcast, I'm Eric Jones. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.